Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 7. John chapter 7. Last week we noted here in John 7 that more than a few of Jesus' listeners were asking questions. They were asking, how does he intend to do these things, which he said and spoke of, we saw earlier last week. How does he intend to do these things? We saw it in verse 35 when they said, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? And verse 36, what does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? What does he mean? What does he, what does he mean by saying these things? Today we arrive at verse 37, where Jesus gives an answer. And here we're going to find Jesus teaching on the last day of the feast. And here we'll see how all that Jesus promised would be fulfilled. And we're looking at verses 37 through 52 this morning. So let's begin by looking at the passage. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. As you look at your Bible, I'll read John 7, verses 37 through 52. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. John 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet... The Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd that does not know the law is accursed. And verse 50 says, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So I want you to think about the setting here. What's the setting? Verse 37 tells us that this is the last day of the feast, the great day. Now, the Feast of Booths, also called the Feast of Tabernacles, was a a feast that was seven days long. But there was also a day following the feast, which the people considered to be part of the feast. It was officially seven days long, but the eighth day they kind of included and lumped in. They didn't want the celebration to end. They didn't want the feast to end. This is probably the day John means when he says the great day. That's the eighth day at the end of the feast after the official seven days. Also, being the last day, it's likely the largest crowds have gathered by now. 
In fact, according to the historian Josephus, it's likely that as many as two and a half million people would have gathered in Jerusalem for these feasts during the time of Jesus. So go back to verse 37 and verse 38. Now look at what Jesus declares as he stands up and he teaches on this great day of the feast. Verses 37, verse 38. If anyone thirsts, says Jesus, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Is this the first time we've heard Jesus say this? this is, it's not, is it? It's not the first time we've heard Jesus speak of this living water. You remember back in John 4, during the encounter with the woman at the well, John 4 and verse 10, Jesus said to her, John 4, 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. Then in verse 14 of John 4, Jesus says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So back in John 7, here in verse 38, Jesus shows us and kind of gives us another dimension of this living water when he says that whoever believes in him, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We're going to get to what that means in a minute, but first there's something interesting about what Jesus has said that ties into a common practice during the Feast of Booths or the the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a common practice that... Early in the morning, on each of the seven days of the feast, one of the chief priests would lead a procession from the Pool of Siloam back to the temple. And the chief priest would fill a golden pitcher with water and from the pool and bring that pitcher back. And then he would pour it over the altar. And he did this to remind the people of the days in the barren wilderness when God gave them water out of a rock. And then the people would, people at the feast would, would wave palm branches and they would shout, shout praising and rejoicing in God at this reminder of, of how their ancestors drank water from the rock in the wilderness. So here's Jesus on the great day, the eighth day, after the feast, after these seven days, seven days in a row, the priest had done this ritual, this water ritual. And so here's Jesus on the great day, the eighth day of celebration, the day after the seven-day feast, and there was no water ceremony. And this is when Jesus takes advantage of this opportunity to teach. And this is when he says and declares, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In effect, what Jesus is saying I am the rock. I'm the rock that those in the wilderness drank from. Now, in fact, Paul confirms that truth in 1 Corinthians 10.4 when he spoke of those who wandered in the wilderness, saying, all 
drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. It doesn't get any clearer than that, does it? So Jesus says here in verse 37 of John 7, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me. Believe in me. Back in the wilderness, as the people received water from the rock, God was teaching the same truth. There is satisfaction for the thirst of your soul. It's the same truth we're being taught today as we read this passage. There is satisfaction for the thirst of your soul. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, now what kind of thirst is this? It's the thirst of your soul. It's it's spiritual thirst. Do you realize your soul has a thirst? You could call it spiritual hunger also. Thirsty, hungry spirit. This is the thirst that's driven by, at heart, it's the thirst that's driven by a guilt for sin. It's the lack of peace because of sin. You may not think of it in terms like this. But all thirst for forgiveness of sins, for, released, for relief from guilt, is at the heart of this. All this, all, uh, all this thirst, this um, thirst of your soul, at the heart of that is this guilt for sin and this relief that you sense you need to be forgiven your sins. Sometimes that thirst shows itself in different ways, though. It shows itself sometimes in a, in a hunger for power. Or it might show itself in a desire for notoriety. Just a a longing for significance. Or it could show itself in the pursuit of more, the pursuit of wealth, or the pursuit of comfort. Sometimes the thirst of your soul can be seen when you hear yourself say, I just just want enough. (laughs) Or... Or maybe you say, I just want the freedom to do what I want when I want. Or simply, you might hear yourself say, I just want to be happy. You may not realize it, but this is all driven at its root by the guilt of sin and the need to be right with God. You thirst. Your soul thirsts. Your soul longs for more. And whatever drives you is often how you define the thirst of your soul. But deeper than any of those things you use to define your thirst, that thirst for happiness, it's a deep longing and it's a thirst for God. It's a thirst for forgiveness. It's a thirst to be made right with God. And you need to hear this today. Jesus gives the answer to all that. Jesus is the answer to all that. Jesus says, all who thirst will be satisfied in me. He means all who thirst and turn to me to quench that thirst by giving their trust and faith to me. All who thirst will be satisfied in me. So you hear that, and you might wonder, how do you find satisfaction in Jesus Christ? Jesus gives us the answer. Look at verse 38. Whoever believes in me. 
Whoever believes in me. Belief in Jesus Christ is the only place to find satisfaction for your soul. That's the truth of the gospel in its simplest form. Believe in Jesus. Believe in him alone. And note what Jesus says will be the result in your life if you believe in him. Also in verse 38, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So powerful is the soul satisfaction found only through faith in Jesus Christ that he says, out of the heart of the one who believes in him will flow rivers of living water. And not only does Jesus promise to be the fulfillment of the deepest longings of your heart, he promises that from your life there will be a great and continual flow of living water. And you should think of this in these terms. This, he's talking about spiritual fruit. What will that look like? What will it look like in your life out of, if, if out of your heart rivers of living water flow, it will look like a life at its ba- most basic foundation, a life that is founded on and grounded in the truth of the Bible. It will also look like a life that is lived for the good of others instead of self. And that's because a life that's lived for God's glory is not your own. You realize if you're living for God's glory, you're not living for your glory. You're living for the glorification of your God. You're living to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of your life will be seen the growing fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus says, rivers of living water will flow from your life if you are a believer in Jesus. But I would suggest that there's one word that describes this best, the best one word. If you want one word to describe this best, it looks like this. It's the word obedience. Obedience. Obedience to God's word. God's word obeyed. Rivers of living water will flow from your life. Spiritual fruit will overflow from your life if you obey God's word. And obedience to God's word is only possible if you have the spirit of God living in you. And and thank goodness, this is exactly what Jesus is pointing to. That those who trust in him will receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to help grow in them spiritual fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. And we know that what Jesus is saying here is about the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit in the believer, in Jesus, because of what the Apostle John writes next. Look at verse 39. So the Apostle John writes, Now now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit of God had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And we could look at verse 39 and call this John's commentary on what Jesus was saying. This is God-inspired commentary by John. And, And John had the advantage of writing this after years of observation. He He had lived and seen Jesus live and walk and teach. And John was going to have the privilege of knowing just what Jesus was speaking of, not at the time the words were spoken, but later because of the outpouring of the Spirit 
of the day of Pentecost. But those who were believers in, in Jesus at the time these words were spoken, when Jesus spoke these words, the people who heard them, they didn't have the Spirit yet because Jesus was still there amongst them. But after Jesus was glorified, after his resurrection, and after his ascension into heaven, then those who had believed in Jesus, and from then on, everyone who believes in Jesus, are given the Holy Spirit. And from every true believer in Jesus will flow the power of the Spirit of God. When you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, he pours his Spirit into your soul. And then he works so that the Spirit will flow through you and out of you, the the work that you do in obedience to Him, your obedience to God's Word, the growing fruit of the Spirit in you overflows from you. And guess what? Guess where it goes? It goes to people around you. It goes to others. It meets the needs of others. uh, the, The fruit of the Spirit is a working of God in you to reach out with the wisdom of God, with the Word of God, into the lives of the people around you. Rivers of living water. For what purpose? For the living of a life that honors God. For the living of a life that points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Rivers of living water. What a precious gift given to God's children. Who put their faith, people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and seek to live for Him by obeying His word. God promises that from your life, rivers of living water will flow, but it all begins with Jesus. It all begins with faith in Jesus Christ. I appreciate uh, what Charles Spurgeon wrote when he says of this truth, saying, The Spirit of God is engaged in a service in which the Lord Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end. He comes to men that they may come to Jesus. Hence he comes to convince us of sin that he may reveal the great sacrifice of sin. He comes to convince us of righteousness that we may see the righteousness of Christ. And of judgment that we may be prepared to meet him when he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. It all begins with Jesus. It all ends with Jesus. Is that where you are today? Are you, are you focusing your life on glorifying God because your faith is in Jesus and in Him alone? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You'll never find true peace without Christ. Belief in Jesus Christ is the only place to find satisfaction for your soul. The problem is, that your stubborn self-determination often collides with your need for peace and contentment that can only be found through faith in Jesus Christ. And so you end up going the wrong way at times. Because of that self-determination, instead of turning to Jesus Christ in faith, many people turn to themselves. And they turn to themselves with the idea that they can find satisfaction their own way. They can find satisfaction for their soul in their own strength, in their own wisdom. You do it your way. And yet Jesus says, no, no. Look to me. 
All who believe in me find satisfaction for the soul. And this self-determination, instead of turning to Jesus in faith and turning away from him instead, that's true of all of us without God drawing us to himself. Whether we realize it or not, we're trying to cover up our need for Jesus Christ by pursuing anything that offers the smallest glimmer of hope. You can see that clearly in the world around you. You may be able to look back in your life and see it before you came to Christ. How was I living before I came to Christ? What was my life like? It was this pursuit of more in anything but Jesus. But the real hope is in Jesus Christ through faith in him alone. And that's what Jesus is pointing to in this passage. Now let's look at what happened after Jesus spoke these words. We see in verses 40 through 43 that people are still divided about who Jesus is. And this is a very dangerous place to live. If you're undecided about who Jesus is, you need to believe God's word and decide that Jesus is God in human flesh. He's to be believed in. This is what the Word wants you to believe. This is actually what John's Gospel is all about, helping you learn to believe in Jesus and in Him alone. But in verses 40 through 43, the people are still divided about who Jesus is. Look at it again, verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this, is really the prophet. this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, again, here are people who are not believing, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. So some said that Jesus, well, he must be the prophet. Listen to how he teaches. Haven't you heard of the miracles he's performed? Others said he was the Christ, the Messiah. We must believe in him, some thought. But others argued that the Messiah was to come from Bethlehem, not realizing that that, in fact, is where Jesus was born. So the people here are divided over who Jesus is, and today we have the same problem. People are divided over who Jesus is. And many don't believe in him because they won't believe the evidence. And there is plenty of it. All you need to do is read God's word. And again, we'll see some try to lay hands on Jesus here, but Jesus' enemies are still helpless to seize him. Those who are unbelieving, disbelieving, verse 44 says some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, And this is a very incredible statement. Verse 46, no one ever spoke like this man. No one ever spoke like this man. In other words, these officers were sent on a mission and got distracted by the teaching of Jesus, the power of the truth that Jesus proclaimed. These officers are saying, we were so caught up in what he was saying that we forgot what we were there for. We've never heard anyone speak like this. That's the power of God in human flesh on display. That's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
teaching. But look at verses 47 through 49 again. And note the contempt and the superior attitude of these Pharisees. You see a total lack of humility here. And let this be a reminder to you that if you're to come to Jesus in faith, it begins with this act of humility. You must humble yourselves before the Lord Jesus Christ to believe in him. Stop believing in yourself. Believe in Christ. That's what these Pharisees needed. Verse 47, the Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? Like, look at us. We haven't believed in him. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. How condescending. How arrogant. How prideful of them. And, and, and many are headed to hell with that same kind of an attitude unless they humble themselves and believe in the giver of life. So in other words, what they're saying is only, only if you're an ignorant fool would you believe in Jesus. And don't you hear that today? We still hear those things today, don't we? Only if you're under uneducated, foolish person would you believe in Jesus. If you think you're too smart for Jesus, if you think you're too good for Jesus, it will be impossible for you to believe in him. That was what these people were dealing with. But now Nicodemus, one of their own, he speaks up. Remember Nicodemus? We saw him back in John chapter 3 when Jesus had met with him. Nicodemus had heard clearly the words of life then. Verse 50 says, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, verse 51, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Pump the brakes, guys. Wait a minute. Do you hear yourselves? Back in John 3, we saw Nicodemus visiting Jesus, speaking with Jesus here. He says, Be careful. You're taking the risk of violating the law that you claim to uphold. But, again, they're arrogant. And in their pride, they'll hear nothing of this voice of reason. In fact, they turn it on him. They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. In other words, are you one of them now? Have you joined up with him now? As for their argument that no prophet arises from Galilee? Well, they were not thinking clearly. Had they been thinking more clearly, instead of speaking out of anger, they would have known better than to say that uh, no prophet arises from Galilee. Well, um, uh, Jonah, (laughs) Nahum, and likely other prophets also came from Galilee. So we find once again that there will always be those who deny, they deny who Jesus is. They refuse to believe the evidence. But the fact remains, if you believe in Jesus Christ, as Jesus himself said back in verse 38, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus gives life. There is true life found only through faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to come to the end of yourself. And that's where Jesus begins. 
You've got to come to the end of, I'm going to do it my way. I'm smarter than, than this. I can figure this out. I can find true life. I can, try, try, I can find true joy. I can find true hope and contentment without this Jesus person. You've got to come to the end of that if you're going to have rivers of living water flowing from your life. I think we need to hear that today. And we need to realize that when Jesus saves you and he gives you his spirit, he also changes you. And we can praise God for that. He doesn't leave us the way he finds us. And he changes you in such a way that he grows in you the desire to obey his word. You even struggle with that at times. I wonder if you look at your life and you say, you know, I, have a, I want to obey God's word, but I, I don't always. Well, praise God, you have a desire. That is a spirit-fueled desire. You can praise God for that. Take steps of obedience every day to honor God and obey his word. And out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. There is true life only through faith in Jesus Christ. As God changes you and he grows in you, this is the desire to obey his word. You can rejoice in that work of the Holy Spirit in you. Take hope in that presence of that desire to obey God's word. And you may grow that desire in you so much so that if you are a true spirit-filled believer, if you are one who desires to live in obedience to God's word, and you pursue obedience to God's word, you won't be uh, like a container for the spirit. You'll be a conduit for the spirit. You won't keep the Spirit to yourself. You won't be able to help it. But the wisdom of God's Word and the the work of the Holy Spirit in you will flow through you into the lives of people around you. It will show itself in the way you speak of your Savior, in the way you speak of God, in the way you speak of God's Word, in the wisdom that you give to people who ask for input and advice, in the opportunities that you take to share the gospel with people who need to hear the truth of the scriptures it will show itself in that way you won't be a container for the spirit you'll be a conduit the spirit will flow through you working wisdom into the lives of others the wisdom of god's word what we're hearing from jesus today is that a true spirit-led spirit-filled spirit-changed follower of jesus will not keep the blessings of the spirit of god to themselves you won't be able to You'll become an overflowing blessing to all those around you. But you must first believe. You must first come to the point where you come to the end of yourself and you become the person who believes in Jesus Christ and in Him alone for the salvation of your soul, for the forgiveness of your sins, because true life hinges on what you choose to do with Jesus. Will you have Jesus as your Savior? Will you trust Him? And if you have, will you follow Him? Will you seek to obey Him with your life? Will you glorify Him with the way that you live? If you don't know Jesus, will you believe in Him today? That's the question for you that Jesus poses from the text. Believe in me, come to me, and rivers of living water will flow from you. If you don't know Jesus, will you believe in him today? And if you have believed in Jesus, if you are trusting in him today, 
May the Word of God do the work of God, giving us the desire that we desperately need to grow in Christ through His Word, to be strengthened in our walk with Christ because we're in His Word and we're seeking to obey it daily, growing our desire and will to obey His Word so that, why? For what end? So that you glorify God so that you point to your Savior with the way that you live.